Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, uh, Michael, how's uh, that Fallon Walmart joke? Clip number five. Let's hear that. Some business news. I saw that Walmart is offering free health screenings to customers starting tomorrow. Meanwhile, one guy getting his prostate checked at Walmart today is like, what do you mean starting tomorrow? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah, I have cash. <laughs> That's, uh, that is funny, especially in the wake of my junk being jostled four times by a TSA guy yesterday. So I'm trying to get home. I had to get the pat down. You know what part of it is? You know, it hadn't dawned on me. Idiot. Uh, I'll just put it to you like this, and I'm not going to put too fine a point on it. A lot of a lot of you can figure this out. If you would like to be singled out and searched and your bag's gone through, bring a significant quantity of protein bars with you on your trip in your carry-on. Why? Why does that make a difference? Because uh, of the way they look in the scanner. What do they look like? They look like protein bars, Jack. I just don't want to be party to, to, to giving somebody an idea, which is probably stupid and crazy. But protein bars look like explosive. Before explosive, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, in the huh. in the scan machine. And I had, because okay. it's my breakfast of choice, and I hadn't eaten all of them, and so it looks like I'm carrying a bomb. <laughs> well, aren't. Yeah, anyway. So that's hey. probably why the guy jiggled my junk four times. And, and it hadn't occurred to me, why is he patting me down like I've been rocking back and forth, shouting, Aloha Akbar, death to America. I'm, I'm a fat suburban dad. Why are you jostling my junk? So I just joined this story. You were waiting outside the bathroom at a Greyhound station when this happened? <laughs> uh, no, indeed. I was traveling. And uh, since I have my, my groovy titanium hips, I, I had to go through the, the machine. But the, the, the hold your hands over the machine. Uh, I'm sorry, hold your hands over your head machine. But for some reason, it wasn't working. So they said, can we just do a pat down? I said, yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, maybe it was a ploy because they saw me with a backpack full of C4. And 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 that's why my junk got jostled. That's funny. My son got his junk jostled by a, a doctor over the weekend for a hernia test because he starts playing football today, and I had not prepared him for that. That was a bad parenting move because he's never had anything like that in his life. Um, and and all of a sudden, this female doctor, I was in the room with him for some reason. Uh, they said, come on back. I was in the, uh, the exam room with him, and the doctor said, okay, I need you to pull down your pants and your underwear. And he said, what? He turned around and looked at me, what? I said, yeah, yeah, do it. Because, you know, some woman just told him to pull down his pants, and he's old enough now that he's, you know, he's past the age where you just walk around naked in front sure, of people. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what age that happens. It seems to happen like around 9, 10, where they decide, yeah, showing your genitals to people is not cool. You know, uh, on the other hand, I can report personally that every single time a woman has made that request of me, I've complied. <laughs> <laughs> no problem and how i was hoping you'd say that um yeah well and i told him afterwards uh because they didn't understand it and i still got to admit i've never taken the time to figure out how they figure out if you've got a hernia by doing that anyway ladies you might know this but the a hernia test 
they stick their finger kind of behind your testicles to see if you've had a hernia or have a hernia. And kind of press harder than is comfortable. And then you have to cough. Yeah, yeah. Then you turn your head and cough. If you ever hear the expression, turn your head and cough, that's what it's about. Um, So they did that to Sam. And on the way home, I was talking to him. I said, you know, the first time I'd ever had it happen, and I don't think my dad had prepared me for it either, there were like 20 of us dudes standing there, and they told us all to drop our pants and underwear, and a guy went one by one down the line. So it was... Yeah, Not quite good, as delicate as his situation. Good work if you can get it. So my son said yesterday, I was trying to get him prepared for this because he uh, he's not been pushed physically very hard in his life, and maybe I should have, or I don't know what. But anyway, he's 11, and he's got football practice tonight, and it's two hours long in the 100-degree in the heat. And I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what modern kid football practice is like, but – He's seen on Diary of a Wimpy Kid and read in the uh, Nate uh, graphic com- comics, if your kids are familiar with those. A lot of coaches screaming, you know, run, you maggots, or, uh, hey, ladies, why don't you try, you know, this, that sort of stuff. He said, is the coach going to be like that? And I said, I have no idea what a modern coach is like. I don't think the modern coach can say run maggots. I also don't think they can do the, all right, ladies, uh, thing that they, they did when I was in sports. Yeah, they're a lot better, too, at making sure the kids are hydrated and that sort of thing, uh, unless they're super irresponsible. But I assume you, you bring your own water. Uh, you're supposed to bring enough water for yourself. So anyway, but I, I, I assume that you can't do the whole ladies insult for boys anymore. Lady, so, lady, lady. Oh, coach, that was, that's sexist. That was, that, was, that was popular with my wrestling coaches when I was a kid. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I don't ladies, think you'll probably hear much of that, especially where you live. You, When you ladies are done with your tickle fights, maybe some men can come over here and actually wrestle. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's good stuff. Call me <laughs> out for my manhood. Why, I'll wrestle really hard to show you. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the worst insult you could possibly level at any boy is that they are a girl. Certainly. Of course, not at all PC. Oh, that reminds me. We, I've been I've been reading more of James Lindsay's fa- fabulous book, Cynical Theories. It, it's not. Oh, and that reminds me, Hanson. We're going to do the A and G reading list every time we mention a book. Somebody's got to jot it down um, because we just get emails all the time asking for that. But anyway, it's just write just write down one through ten and have them all be Moby Dick. All right, beautiful. Um, it's it's a great book. It's so interesting, but it's a challenging read because he's laying out these philosophies, you know, uh, critical race theory, queer theory, the intersectionality and all. And, fat and studies. Fat studies, yeah, exactly. And and they're intentionally confusing, self-contradictory, and nonsensical because if you don't understand something, you can't criticize it. And if somebody shouts, you're a racist for criticizing it, you don't know exactly how to respond. So a lot of that is intentional. But so to read this book, you've got to comprehend the incomprehensible and then comprehend his critique of it. And it's it's wonderfully written. It's a great book. But I tell you what, man, it's a slog. My poor little brain cells are just crying bitter tears by the end of a chapter or two. Uh, this Dutch cyclist was crying bitter tears yesterday when she won the gold medal. She was not expected to win. I think if I remember right, it was like a 40-mile race. It's one of those long bicycle races, like a real test of your endurance. And uh, this Austrian woman who wasn't supposed to even medal against a competition that dominates 
uh, a number of countries that dominate this sport and always win the gold. So she's riding with this group, and uh, they're however many miles to the finish line, and they're all riding together, and she does the breakaway thing. If you follow these sports, you know how it works. It's kind of a, a bold move. You break away from the pack, and you just think, you know, I'm just going to try to run away from them. And a lot of and sometimes it works, and sometimes you run out of gas, and they pace themselves and catch you and that sort of thing. Anyway, she took off. Um, well, nobody was paying any attention to her because these other former gold medal winners were riding side by side, and they were, like, eyeing each other and didn't even pay attention to when she rode off. So she rides off and, and, and crosses the finish line first. And um, later she's interviewed, and she said, I've never ridden that hard in my life. I was completely spent. I was completely out of gas. I couldn't, done an- couldn't have done another pedal turn. She, like, gave everything she had and ran away from the pack and won the gold medal. But these other people that were supposed to win the gold and knew each other by name and compete against each other in all these tournaments, they thought that they were the only ones in the race. And the one that barely edged out the other one put her hands in the air and, yes, I won the gold medal. Woohoo! I win! And the crowd went, you know, everybody's yelling and her teammates are hugging her and everything like that. And somebody had to come over and tell her, now, yeah, somebody finished a couple of minutes ago. Where have you been? Where have you been? And apparently in all international competition except for the Olympics, they use radios. So you wear a little headpiece and you got a coach somewhere talking to your ear and everything like that. But they don't use any communication in the Olympics, so she had no idea. And she thought she crossed the finish line first and was shocked to find out that this, uh, like, 36-year-old wasn't supposed to win anything woman from Austria had fin- crossed the finish line and won the dang thing. Pretty wow. funny. First of all, got to give win. that uh, alleged gal uh, the check uh, that Sam got, uh, just to be sure. Uh, but it's <laughs> crazy. So, like, the, the, the peloton or the, the group of the elites, they were their heads down, or did they just forget that this Austrian gal took off? Or maybe they assumed that, well, there's no way she can keep it up. She's, she's broken away too early, and... I don't know. Then just like spaced off that it had happened. That's I, crazy. Yeah. Well, I I saw the highlights and it looks to me that they were just they were so focused on each other because they knew it was going to be one of them. It's either you or me. Sure. I mean, they were so focused when that girl took off. They just like it just didn't register. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Really That's crazy. So it was. What was it? The, yes. No. No. Not yes. So the Tour de France wa- wrapped up uh, about a week ago. It's French for Tour of France. Anyway, uh, so I'm I'm over at a buddy's house. We're, uh, we play golf. We get done. He says, come over and have a beer. I say, okay. Uh, we're sitting there, and he's. it's the final stage where they ride into Paris. Normally, it's just ceremonial. And they, they're handed glasses of champagne, and they're chatting and waving to the crowd and all. But there was stuff at stake. So it was actually a race through Paris. And this guy's super crazy into the Tour de France. I've, I've never had... Viva la Tour. Viva la Tour. I've never had, that I recall, a friend who's near, nearly as into the, the tour as this guy was. And he was just going a mile a minute. All right, now listen. This guy is one more uh, length than anybody has ever there, Or more, whatever they call it. Segments. or Stages. Stages. Thank you. That's it. Um, and he's like, if he wins this, he gets the all-time record, but I hate him. He's a bastard. Nobody likes him. There's right. But this guy, now look at that guy. It's the guy in the green. The guy in the green. The guy in the green. If he does this, he's going on and on. And I started to get all excited about it. And I started to think, okay, all right, all right, this is pretty cool. I gotta, I gotta get into this in the future. I gotta get into it. It's funny how, uh, enthusiasm is, is contagious like that. I, I, I've got a bike. I've been riding one since I was a kid, but I've never paid that much attention. <laughs> They're in great shape. They're all on steroids, and they all they have their blood thinned or thickened or something or other. They're, they're half Keith Richards and, and half uh, Lance Armstrong, all of them. I get that stuff. They're but, not uh, good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, he was absolutely with the... Oh, no, no. They all have teams of pharmacists they work with. They have teams of... of uh, of physicians and and chemists and experts and and that stuff and he agreed with me. What uh, a friend of mine who's involved in a uh, major sports league said: uh, the steroid tests are not steroid tests; they're intelligence tests. If you can't figure out how to beat them, you're too dumb to play in this sport. And I get the idea that it's a lot like that in the the bicycling too. Yeah, they are all drugged up, but they might be the most in shape people in the world. Your long distance bicycle riders. I would only uh, nominate uh, long-distance cross-country skiers to stand beside them, but yes, absolutely true. Man, that when they go up those mountains the way they do, it's funny, I, uh, it's a, we're running late, but I'll tell this really quickly. So I got my bicycle stolen last week. I told that story, so I've been shopping for a bike. Anyway, I shopping for a bike, YouTube videos feeding me bike videos. And I came across this video. It was an amateur versus a it was a, a regular bike rider versus an amateur versus a professional rider riding up a mountain and it was uh comparing the three and it was really quite stunning how 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 much different the pro rider was even from the serious amateur and just the ability to go up that freaking mountain standing in their seat i mean they're those people are in just insane shape yeah i'd like to seek that out maybe we can find it and post it at armstrongandgetty.com we'll work on it stay with us According to Dr. Walensky at the CDC, something like 97% of people being hospitalized for COVID are unvaccinated people. Uh, That sounds like a vaccination problem to me, not a masking problem. I I understand that some people are hesitant to get the the vaccine. Uh, A lot of Democrats spent time uh, undermining uh, the rollout of the vaccine during the Trump administration, so here we are. But I still don't know why the rest of us need to mask up uh, until these other folks decide whether or not to get the vaccine. You know, that reminds me, I asked for the clip of uh, Joe Biden bad-mouthing the the vaccine during the uh, campaign. Uh, Kamala Harris did the same thing, and I, I asked for the guys to get it, then we never used it, but um, yeah, that's that's often left out of the uh, the equation. And on the Democrat side, it's mostly black America that's not getting the shots. Well, congratulations, guys. You did a good job of convincing them. Um, the other, uh, you know, rural Republicans, generally speaking, not getting the shots. And we're not going to wear you out on this. We know you've heard plenty of it, but hit me with uh, Jason Riley again, 61. Uh, I also think that masking undermines the, the, the vaccination effort in some ways. I mean, one reason to get a vaccine is so that you don't need to wear a mask. And if you force people to do both, I think uh, they have less incentive to go get a shot. I think it was pretty revealing that L.A. County started to talk about new mask mandates going back to the, the bad old days of last summer. And there was an overwhelming and surprisingly strong reaction. Well, I'm not surprised, but some people might be. Uh, surprisingly strong reaction. People saying, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. Here's the reasoning. We can't say if you're vaxxed, no mask. Because people might lie and not wear a mask, and they might uh, spread the COVID or get the COVID or whatever. And, and the, the Los Angelinos responded like anybody around America would, at least reasonable people, saying, well, wait a minute now. 
We've gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to we got to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed to we got to limit the spread to the vaccines out to, uh, well, the vaccines out, but some people aren't taking it. To, and now, because you can't trust everybody to mask up, I, you're going to force me to wear a mask again when I'm vaccinated? That's, that's not a high enough standard to take away my liberty. It's not a high enough standard to add the stress to a business that they have to enforce some mandates, closing restaurants down again and clubs and the rest of it. That The reaction has to be commensurate with the risk. And with all the people vaccinated that are vaccinated and those who have natural immunity because they've had the Chinese bat fever and the kids who are more or less invincible anyway, not not 100%, but more or less. In fact, a study came out. This is I'll get back to the main point in a second, but um, Johns Hopkins study. 48,000 children, 48,000 found zero COVID deaths among healthy kids. Now, kids with you know pre-existing conditions, leukemia and stuff like that, I mean, obviously, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for those families. This is not minimizing how terrible a disease this can be. But the but the precautions, like I said, have to be commensurate with the risks. And at this point in this journey, we can no longer indulge the monomania, the fixation that the health authorities have with COVID-19. Life, business, school, social activities, families getting together, fun, for God's sake. All of that needs to be factored in. People are factoring it in and saying, eh, I'm not wearing a damn mask. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm a scientist and my job, which I'm doing, which we've done, was to develop the vaccines that have saved millions of lives already, is to be a scientist and a public health official. I certainly don't like how all this has turned out to be so contentious. I mean, and when a congressman makes a statement that uh, I forgot what it was, that if they if they take over the House in 2022, I should be criminally investigated. On, on what basis is he making that comment? And Neil, I mean, you, you've got to get realistic about that. I mean, yes, we had somewhat of a confrontation with, uh, with Senator Paul because of the, I think, inflammatory statements that he made about lying. But, but where do you come off about talking about criminal things? Get ready for your orange jumpsuit, you lying liar. Dr. Fauci there <laughs> talking to Neil Cavuto. I doubt he's going to be uh, charged or prosecuted criminally, but I thought this was pretty interesting. Um. I don't know if there's anybody who knows more about this stuff than Josh Rogan from the Washington Post, and we've had him on a couple of times, and we actually have him scheduled for later this week. He's written a book about it, and uh, and one of the reasons he has so much credibility on what I'm about to say is Josh Rogan is no Trump fan. You know, he writes for the Washington Post, and he's he's not a Trump guy, you know, and he's, uh, personally anyway. Um, so it's not like he's uh, defending or, or going after Fauci because he's a Trump guy. Last week, when Senator Rand Paul pressed national virus guru Dr. Anthony Fauci about whether the Wuhan lab's activities amounted to gain-of-function research, Fauci and that it was funded, in part at least, by U.S. taxpayers and the National Institutes of Health, 
Fauci denied it and did, dismissed the Kentucky Republican. We played that clip several times. You probably heard it. Senator, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. The problem, according to Josh Rogan of the Washington Post, is many scientists think Rand Paul actually does know what he's talking about. A number of eminent scholars have insisted that the research described by Paul does, in fact, amount to gain-of-function studies, while others think Fauci is right strictly on semantic grounds. Mm. So, like I said, I could believe that, you know, maybe he's right on some sort of Bill Clinton, the definition of is-is sort of argument. But the the overall, you know, feel of it is that was gain-of-function research, and we were, taxpayers were funding it, and you knew about it, and you kept your mouth shut. Yeah, I also can easily believe that there are, there are more than one definition of what is gain-of-function research, that he's going with some sort of legalistic, traditional uh, definition when, uh, in reality, what they were doing clearly was that. Hey, before we go on, I think this next clip explains a fair amount. Um, okay. It's, it, well, we'll play it, then analyze it. Clip 80, please, Michael. If you look at the research that was done, it was research that was highly recommended by peer-reviewed, our United States peer-reviews. It got a very high score in the peer-review system, and the purpose of the research was very, very clear. It was to try and determine what was out there in the bat population that might be ultimately risky for us. It was done in the context of trying to find out what the precise environmental bat source was of SARS-CoV-1 so that we could prevent SARS-CoV-2. So it was research that was done by qualified people. Right now, when there's all of this thing about China, that's a different situation now. Back then, when you were dealing with qualified, highly respected Chinese scientists. So it isn't what was made out to be about dealing with really, really bad people, because those scientists we're very well respected in the scientific community All internationally. Right. Let, let me decode that a little bit for you. Back when Peter Daszak and I financed this research and were working with the Chinese bat lady who we've all read about and heard about, back when it all got started, they were good, solid, independent scientists, and this was some serious science. And then he admitted in kind of in reverse he admitted now that labs controlled by the military and they're kind of hacks and it's it's not like it used to be. That sounds like a confession to me. Or not a confession, just an explanation of how things went wrong. Well, as Josh Rogan wrote, um, a number of eminent scholars have insisted that the research described by Rand Paul does, in fact, amount to gain-of-function studies. And Josh Rogan goes on to say, and again, we have him on later this week, and I look forward to talking to him in more in depth about this what everyone can now see clearly is that the nih was collaborating on risky research with a chinese lab that has zero transparency and zero accountability during a crisis and no one in a position of power addressed that risk i think that's uh, well said and 100 percent true so i don't i still don't think fauci's a bad guy but um he he's got a it's, it's, he's got a little of the James Comey thing going. Look, 
I'm smart enough, and some of the people I'm working with are smart enough. We know what we're doing, all right? So don't come around here asking a bunch of questions. You dumb layman who barely know what gain-of-function research actually means, asking your questions. and Yeah. Right. You know, I was reading more over the weekend about uh, the Chinese cover-up of the... uh, of the origins of the coronavirus, and I'd forgotten temporarily how incredibly aggressive and thorough they were about silencing anybody who might talk, destroying records, limiting it. People who came and went from the lab all the time because they worked there all of a sudden weren't allowed in. The obvious elements of a reasonable investigation were closed off or destroyed or sent to Beijing or whatever. I mean, it, it is practically hilarious to even consider the possibility that they launched a cover-up that aggressive, but they weren't at fault. I mean, it just, you would have to not know humans to even entertain that notion. It's as obvious as can be. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's, what's causing Dr. Fauci to act this way? Is it because he's concerned he'll be blamed for the deaths? Is it because he's concerned gain-of-function research will get shut down and he thinks it's important for it to continue? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I don't understand why he didn't just say, yeah, I think this is important, and I still think it's important, but it looked like it looks like in this case it got loose, and, you know, we got to be more careful, or until we can be more careful, we probably shouldn't do it. Why, why can't he say something like that? You know, I think it may be from that part of the brain that, that makes O.J. believe he did not kill Nicole and Ron Goldman. You, you, the human brain sometimes yeah. can't deal with something like this uh, research that, that we were in the middle of funding and encouraging. It went sideways in spite of our best efforts, and it's killed millions of people and will kill many millions, maybe tens of millions more. His mind is broken. He can't accept that, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, let me. So this is a good place to put this in, because this is what it was reminding me of. And I know I've told this before, but I I like being reminded of it. Um, It was a conversation I heard with lawyer and a writer from the Dispatch, David French, who we've had on several times. And he said, never underestimate people's abilities to believe their own BS. And he related it to, um, before you become a lawyer, you wonder, what's it like to defend people that you know are guilty? And, and uh, you know, how do you defend somebody that you know is guilty? And he said, it never really becomes a problem once you become a lawyer because you come up with a way to uh, that they are not guilty that somehow the system didn't handle the investigation right blah 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 but you 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 come to believe that they are innocent he said we Damn. human beings have, <laughs> <laughs> human beings have an unbelievable ability to see things through the way that is most advantageous to them i guess yeah and and we can and we can and we convince ourselves we're right and we shut out other information and that's just the way we're built as humans um, Right. Another example, I was reading a piece about domestic violence and people dealing with the aftermath and trying to figure out why they did the things they did, and including women who go to abuser after abuser. And and one of the points they made was that uh, often the abuser, the women ask, what were you thinking when you were abusing your woman? What were you thinking about her? And the answer was nothing. All I could see was my anger. Um, I could see how the weight of 
Who knows how many people are going to die in in the third world, for instance. There could be 10 million deaths in the next six months in the third world easily. Who knows how your mind breaks when you're saddled with that weight? Well, they think the death, this came out over the weekend, they think the death toll is at least double what the current official death toll is worldwide. What's the official toll? I've kind of lost track. Uh, Somebody look that up. Yeah, I don't, yeah, somebody was... I could probably look it up. Whisper lovingly oh. in our ears. But so you have that. And I think to get back to your early point about uh, Dr. Fauci and, and him having a bit of that, how dare you criticize me, James Comey syndrome, he in his mind believes, and he may be right, we were doing the right thing the right way with the right people for the right reasons. And some sloppy lab tech who'd gotten drunk the night before accidentally brought the the Chinese bat virus home. You can't indict everything we did based on that. But I wish he would just lay that out and let the the jury of humanity decide. Worldwide, it's about 4.2 million right now. And uh, I was reading over the weekend, they think it's probably double that when you get into the problems with China and different reasons, but China, Indian, and a whole bunch of other third world countries that really have no idea how many people died, and we probably never will. Right. But so if it's if it's double that, then it's already eight. So yeah, we could end up easily with ten million people that died worldwide. That's a heck of a thing to say. Yeah. Oops. Sorry about that. Oh, I think it could be easy. I think it could be twenty million because you know if you read about what's going on in uh, like Indonesia and Malaysia and South Africa where it, it it was slow getting hold but now they're getting killed and they have nobody vaccinated practically nobody very small percentage and their health systems are overwhelmed and the rest of it and they have a lot of childhood disease problems because they don't have advanced you know pediatric medicine like we do in this country um and so yeah we could see mind boggling uh, death tolls coming up so anyway i don't i don't know exactly what's going on in his head but as an amateur psychologist, I can understand why he is in the business of of not going there. Yeah, I I mentioned this last week that uh, the left wing media, your MSNBCs, your CNNs, they had focused on a lot of the Rand Paul versus Fauci back and forth about masks and stuff like that, where they felt like Rand Paul was not on a solid ground and Fauci was. They did not feature this dust up from last week. I noticed on MSNBC. They, uh, they, they, they themselves realized, eh, Rand might be right about this one. Yeah, how and even, interesting. And Josh, and Josh Rogan of the Washington Post saying, yeah, I'm talking to a lot of people who say Rand's right. Well, luckily, the vomit-inducing Vanity Fair is still on the beat and was uh, describing the interchanges as Dr. Fauci owning Rand Paul and making him his wow. little biatch. And I'm like, wow, wow. okay. That, All right. that, is just, that is absolutely not what happened, according to... A pretty honest broker, I think, in the Washington Post, Josh Rogan, who we'll talk to later this week. Well, we're either going to finish up strong or taper off uh, embarrassingly. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to say which, but whatever it is, it'll be in moments. Armstrong and Getty. So I'll just pay it off real quickly. Uh, Sue Bird and the rest of the WNBA have been at the forefront of social justice protests 
during the 2021 season, blah, blah, blah. I've said they have no plans to leave the court for the national anthem during Olympic competitions this coming week. They will stand there. They will represent the USA with arms locked. She says you're wearing USA jerseys, and it does change the conversation a little bit with what you're representing. With that, I don't feel like a hypocrite in any way. Everybody knows what we stand for. But they're thinking, look, we're representing the country, international stage. They're playing the anthem. We're going to be there. I appreciate that. I probably disagree with her on everything, um, but I think that's the right decision to make. And who was that that specifically that said that? That is Sue Bird, who carried the uh, the flag in the opening ceremonies. That, right, and that is Megan Rapinoe's. Is that the way you say it? Rapinoe. Well, I said Rapinoe last week, and somebody sent me an email and said it's Rapinoe. Oh, Rapinoe? It may Rapino. be Rapinoe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's Rapinoe. Quit hating on America, whatever your name is. They're, they're husband-wife, or going to be husband-wife. They're engaged to each other. Sue Bird and, and Rapinoe. I don't think you refer to one of them as the husband. I think that's... Uh, or, okay. They're spouses, well, I'm partners. I'm sorry. I didn't... I didn't mean that to be derogatory in any way. I just used the wrong term. But, yeah, they're together. So it's interesting that because uh, she's absolutely right. The Representing the country of the United States on the international stage is completely freaking different yeah. than yeah. just domestic audience. So um, good for you. And the other thing is a uh, the U.S. women's soccer team is appealing the judge's ruling that, no, you don't make less than the men. In fact, you make more, and you had the opportunity to take the same deal as the men. You turned it down because you could thought you thought you could do better with another deal. So no, you can't come suing at this point. It's ridiculous. That story is so phony. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Olympics and kind of not an opinion piece in the Washington Post yesterday. Toyota has mixed feelings about the Tokyo Olympics, but it's okay with the genocide Olympics. In that Toyota pulled a lot of their advertising kind of claiming i think they pulled their advertising because they sensed uh audience was going to be way down and they didn't want to pay that much for a smaller audience with covid everything that was going on but they used some examples of sexual harassment by one of the members of the ioc and a bunch of crap like that why they didn't want to be involved with this olympics but they're still completely on board um with the beijing olympics which you know is promoting genocide so Nice hypocrisy there from some of our big corporations. Yeah, you know, I wish uh, somebody would just be honest and say, look, we're a for-profit corporation, and like everybody else, we're big fans of low-hanging fruit. So if we can act enlightened where there's no risk and we'll get no pushback, we act enlightened. But where it's going to hurt us, like backlash in the giant Chinese market, no, that's some pretty high up, not very ripe fruits, and uh, we're going to go the easy route. Thank you. Good night. Just be honest. Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty are brought to you today by Two ominous notes separated by six octaves Let's get a final thought from, oh that's right, you introduced me Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty That's right, Jack, thank you for introducing me the way we do it every day Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, Michelangelo, pressing the buttons in the control room, hit it you know, the Summer Olympics are okay, but my favorite is definitely the Winter Olympics. The ski jumps, the bobsled, and uh, the biggest problem with the Olympics is you learn the results before you even see them at, at night, so uh, it's hard to watch. Yeah, you got to kill your news alerts somehow or other, somehow. Uh, young Alex has uh, been pulled away by an alleged emergency. Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? Yeah, the opening ceremony was down 30-some percent from 2016, and 2016 was down 30-some percent from 2012. 
I think that is the number one fun suck for the Olympics is that you hear all the results before the uh, the event happens. That you know, I don't know if there's anything you can do about that, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's a funny thing that the vast improvement in technology has sucked so much fun out of it. Uh, my final thought is, uh, having been traveling, I stayed in a hotel over the weekend. I, I wasn't sure I was going to stay in a hotel. It was a, just a late-night thing. And I thought, yeah, I'll grab a room, then I'll go to my buddy's house later. Um, and uh, as I'm a thrifty fellow, I decided to go cheap. I am never going to do that again. For the price of an extra-large <laughs> pizza, I could have stayed in a place that doesn't have stained sheets, dust on the dressers, funk on the, the arms of the chair. Oh, God, you. it's like a lab in there with, oh, who knows Ew. what's growing. Do you think somebody in a throuple was sitting on one of the chairs naked? I assume so, yes. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So yucky. So many people who thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of great hot links for you. You can email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Get yourself an A&G t-shirt. The red, white, and blue logo is very, very popular. We will see tomorrow. I will be in studio. Um, and we'll have the news of the day and all the funnies that come with it. Armstrong and Getty. That is the climax of foolishness. You do not know what you are talking about. You piece of loser. <laughs> I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. What does it have to be? Fire, sir. Okay. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. So let's go out with a bang. I'm, I'm a fat suburban dad. Why are you jostling my junk? You're waiting outside the bathroom at a Greyhound station when this happens? <laughs> On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.